0: Hi everyone, I'm Dan and welcome to the Space and Earth Podcast. Today we're chatting with Bronny Lyle. Now Bronnie is a writer, actor, comedian, educator and songwriter. You can see him performing at the Improv Conspiracy Theatre in Melbourne with teams such as King George and Swing Set. For all of his workshops that he's going to be running with us, please head to spaceandearth.co. Look at this, right? It's quite warm in here for me. Oh yeah. So there's going to be a lot of... <laughs> That happening,
1: yeah. Just pushing the sweat into the hair, yeah, yeah. That, that. <laughs> deal with it later <laughs> with a good wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I got name checked on Barney's podcast, which I appreciated. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love a good name check.
0: It's it's always interesting, I think, when because there are so many different sayings and whatever that pass around. Like mm. you come up with an exercise, or you come up with some theory about mm. doing something, mm. Mm. and it's always interesting to hear like where that comes from. Yeah, when so much of it loses like the paper trail.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. But it's nice to Where did I get it from? That's the question. We're talking show 1 and show 2. Yeah. Doesn't really matter, but I think I got it from The Inner Game of Music, which is a derivative of The Inner Game of Tennis. All right, now. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard of The Please explain. I've Have you haven't heard of The Inner Game of Tennis? No. Uh so it's a book about tennis? Yeah. But it's The Inner Game of Tennis, which is the mental game of tennis, which is really about being zen. Yeah. And it's about there being uh I'm gonna I'm gonna botch it real bad, but it's about there being two two ways uh that you're approaching tennis. One is like the technical knowledge that you have around it, mm-hmm. and the other is the the presence that you need to succeed at then trusting your body to do all the right things. Yeah. Um so that's like it's like they don't call it they obviously don't call it show one and show two, they call it something else in that in that book. But I think it's derived from there. I
0: love Maybe. that. We speak to the author who made that, and then it goes back there. Like, no, actually, it's the <laughs> inner game of pharmacology. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just <clears throat> constant
1: trail yeah, <laughs> following yeah. it around. Yeah. And um, eventually it's like, that's the Bible.
0: That's the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, everything leads back to that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just a Cain and Abel story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just repackaged a couple of hundred times, yeah, and there yeah. we go.
1: Suddenly we're doing improv. <laughs>
0: I do kind of like that though, that the idea of like repackaging things from other sources or mm. other disciplines and things like that mm. to bring in. Because mm. uh, I know you have quite an extensive background in music. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that that has a lot of things there have like lent themselves across to improv.
1: Uh, yeah. I got this question a lot when I started improv. Um, not that question, but like the question of like, is, does this make you better at music? or Does it serve your music in any way? Mm. When I started improv, I was like, it's made me worse at music because it made me, I got so in love with like, oh, nothing matters. Just like throw it out, be, you know, express your feelings in the moment and it'll go into the ether and you're done. Mm. And then you shake the show off and you go home. Then I'd try to write a song and I'd be like, these words are permanent. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do permanent words anymore. Um, So I stopped writing songs for eight, for years. Like uh, and I started improv because I was just like, oh, I'm too in love with just like the ethereal nature of creativity now.
0: Yeah.
1: And I got a little too obsessed with that idea um, and then found my way back to music Um, after that. So um, I think performance wise, I was served a lot by being, by having done 10 years of being on stage. I know that the biggest advantage I had when I started improv was. When I got on stage, I was way less scared than everyone else I was playing with. Mm. And I, I was never nervous before a show. I was excited. Um, but I wasn't concerned about being up there or anything. So that's where I think I benefited.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I sort of feel like a lot of times you have someone like performing and then they might be relatively confident on stage as an improviser. And then if they have to sing in a scene or something, it's like, Mm. oh, shut down. Oh no, worst (laughs) thing in the world. Yeah. So it's almost like, I feel like if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. It doesn't instantly make you comfortable with improvising a full scene, but right. at least you're like you're you're being vulnerable to maybe a bit more of a level, for sure. On that side, yeah,
1: totally. Like, and I was never afraid of dead space or silence or just me being there because I was so used to. I mean, I'd sing sad songs about my life, and no improv show is going to be sadder than some of the stuff I was <laughs> singing about. So. <laughs> I was like, You're not really. What can go wrong? It's
0: a <laughs> <laughs> I saw the idea that every show afterwards, they're like Bronny. Like, it is a comedy uh, yeah. uh, show that we're yeah. doing here, and yeah. there is just a lot of undertones
1: <laughs> that it goes into. Yeah, I ended up having to like, I well, first I had a big identity crisis, which we don't have to get into. But when I returned to music, I had to come. I had to do it with a different name because I'd done music as Bronny forever. Then I did comedy as Bronny, and then I didn't know how to tell people come to my show that isn't funny. Like, oh, yeah. it's going to be sad songs, everybody. To, like, keep your expectations for laughter low. Because it's sad. I, I get that. <laughs> they see Bronnie pop up and it's like,
0: oh, yeah, he's a funny a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they think that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Going um, out on a date and it's like, yeah, great. He's so hilarious. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I used to have a woman who came to a... I used to play every Friday at the Wesleyan in Northcote. And there was a woman who was definitely on a Tinder date at the same spot every week with a different date. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And it took a few weeks for her to really become conscious that, like, she's sitting across from me every week on a different date, and I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, we'd start to share. I'd be like, oh, like, how's this one? How's this one going? <laughs> it was a nice little unspoken thing we had together um, yeah. while I serenaded her random dates. I never saw the same man twice, which is not a problem. You goes, you got to find the one. Of but, course, yeah. But I always was like, choose a different seat. Yeah. <laughs> Go somewhere else.
0: <laughs> maybe it's just like so comfortable there with you. That was like the calming force. The Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And the thing was like nice, like maintaining as much control as maybe you, you can in a situation like that. That's
1: true. Yeah. Maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit there. Yeah. For the safe space I was creating yeah, you, yeah. to search for the one. Yeah, you're the catalyst <laughs> of that. That's Yeah. That's nice. That's a nice way of looking at it,
0: Dan. Thank yeah, you. No, I think so. Well, like, you know, you've you've very uh I can't see you being a very sort of like intimidating artist performing, uh, <laughs> and <play> things. <laughs> no. And I mean that in a good sense of like. No, yeah, thank you. Um, and hearing some of your music too, it's like, it's, it's a lot more, um, in my mind anyway, sort of like sit down, relax, listen, and like mm. tune in that way than, mm. than
1: like this, this guy's just going wild up there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Really demanding our attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah crazy. Those front bar gigs, I was was mostly, so you can play in the front bar or the back bar of Wesleyan, and they're two very different gigs. One is like, sit and listen to me, and the other is basically ignore me, Mm. and I'll shout out some drink specials. (laughs) But did you have to do that as well, as part of that? Uh, I was never obligated, but I did it one time, um, and then I got a slab of that beer sent to my house, because the bar manager told the rep. That there's this one artist who like spruiked the beer and the yeah. guy was like, sweet, I'm going to reward that guy. And then, so I did it forever after that and I never got any more. <laughs> okay. Then it's like, that's your food album that came after that. Right? Yeah. Just Try to get as many things as possible. Yeah. Um, you did make me think of though, um, so we joked about talking about basketball on this podcast mm-hmm. and then I thought to myself, I won't talk about basketball. That'd be silly. But then you said what you said before about like things being derived from other disciplines. Yeah. 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 I actually do relate a lot of improv to basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I love basketball. I'm obsessed with it. Um, and I'm obsessed with improv. Uh, and I'm obsessed with creativity and just like collaboration really. Uh, there's a great quote. There's a couple of things. There's a great quote, um, from a coach, um, whose name is escaping me, but it's, um, talent, talent sets the floor, but character sets the ceiling. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I love applying that to like the philosophy around improv, which is like, you can be funny and charismatic and enigmatic and lovely to watch, but if you don't have the character to like play along, then like your ceiling as an improviser is only so high. Mm. Um, Obviously, I'm not judging your quality as a comedian or a, a ideas person, but your ability to exist in a long form with another group of creatives is only so high if you don't have the right character or the right philosophy for it, right? Um, and the other thing is, um, I was listening to this podcast with Malcolm (laughs) Black, Malcolm Gladwell, (laughs) Malcolm Gladwell and someone else, but it was about basketball, um, and I think it might've been revisionist history, but he's talking about how you can pull great players. You can pull mediocre players out of mediocre situations, put them in the situation that fits them and then they look like great players and then they Mm. get traded as great players and they go and return to being mediocre. Yeah, yeah. And how like we, we undervalue fit and like appropriate, the appropriate person for the job. Yeah. And I think that's so true in improv as well. Like I've seen people who thrive in certain shows, but then take them out of that show and put them elsewhere. If they're relying on the way that they exist in that show, they're not quite hitting the same sort of stuff they hit in that show over there, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel as well in the sporting context, because I follow football, mm-hmm. soccer, but <clears throat> nice, um, quite intensely. And you do get that a lot. There's a lot of rhetoric from fan to, this This play is rubbish. They're so bad. They're horrendous. Mm. And it's like, they've come from a good club before and we yeah. paid like... Twenty million pounds for them or something, <laughs> yeah. and suddenly they are just horrendous and shocking and all that, mm. and like fans, certain fa- these like are quite a toxic section of a fan base. Mm. And mm. They like get quite up in arms, and then a player then moves on to another club, and they celebrate, and then the player does really well at another club. Yeah, um, and it's that similar sort of thing, and I feel like in sports we're so used to like having debates over that, mm-hmm. whereas. Maybe when it comes to sort of improv performing, it's not like you'll go do a show and then jump on Twitter and people are just like, Bronnie's an overrated performer. No, I think he's really great. Yeah. he needs to be in a different scenario. It's a, there's not that discussion around <laughs> it. Um, yeah. But I really do agree that it's like fit is so important for that. Mm. And like, what are your strengths as a performer mm. and just a creative in general, and you can, you can put on an incredible show with just the right person that you're performing with. Totally. You can do it with someone else and you could still both be really good performers. Yeah. But the fit's just not there. And
1: that doesn't mean you suddenly suck. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. 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 Totally true. Um, Also like your, your ability to trust, you know, ebbs and flows as well. Like some, if you're having a rough, if you're, if maybe the culture is not nice that week or whatever, or the warm up was weird. um, That means that the fit, that night is off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then if it's harder, slightly harder to trust you. And I do not even, I might not even be conscious of the fact that I'm not trusting Dan right now, but maybe it's like, I something happened in warmup that made me not trust myself. And then that's starting to like cause a feedback loop. Mm, and then like yeah. I could be ju- doing all the same stuff as usual, but I'm like, I it's like something, something in our chemistry is broken. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, so many things can, can kill us. Totally. And it could even be such a small thing, like you're worried about some bill you've got to pay or, you know, totally. some external thing that's come yeah.
0: in or kind of had a bad day and you're just struggling to get into that just kind of free state that you normally mm. do mm. so much. So yeah, there's like an exercise I like doing with, with students of getting them to sort of like assess themselves, like mm. positively in terms of like pretending you're like a, you're, it's an RPG and you're a character in that. I'm yeah. like, here are say six skills in improv. What... How do you rate yourself in these areas mm. and be confident with it? Um, cause when people first look at it, like one might be, um, you know, like acting ability, one might mm. be like emotional range, one might be, uh, like wit, support, something like that. Nice. You could do it for any, you know, metric you wanted. Yeah. Uh, but then people initially just like, oh, I'll just give myself, I guess, like middle, like six for mm. kind of everything. It's like, no, no, like, what do you think, mm. where are your strengths in this? Mm. Uh, and you can only say 40 points over the six categories. So you are limited nice. a little bit, Yeah, yeah which yeah. means that you have to go, I'm really good at this, I think. I'm not so good at this, but I'm also not that worried about it. Yeah. Like I'm happy to be like, here is what I'm really strong at. Yeah. And to start talking about those things in a positive sense. Yeah. Because then I think you're able to look at things and go, oh, yeah, I really like the way that person plays for this reason. Mm. And because I like playing with... Big energy or whatever. Mm. It's like you're able to start going. Yeah, I think we'd be a good fit. Yeah, and think of things in like that sort of term.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that, I love that that you do that. Um, giving it a character score and all the attributes is really, yeah. really cool. Um, when I do anything like that, I ban the word think. Yeah, because you're like, what do you think your strongest thing is? And they go, well, I think I'm pretty good at. And then it always softens their like opinion. Yeah, of themselves. yeah, true, yeah. Just and like it's just a thought exercise of like just say I am yeah this. definitely. Um, but uh, my uh, old trio that I was in Small Car, which you which was where I met you, um, we felt like we really lucked out because we think the the mo- the the reason our shows felt easy to do was because like Mario just naturally is a like a story architect. Like mm-hmm. he seems to care about that and is good at it. And he's like always spinning the plates of story. And we always felt that Andrew is like a generator of, like he's an unstoppable force of just like this, 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 bits, bits ahoy. Like he's, (laughs) you can't talk to Andrew without him doing a bit, you know, like he's so bitsy. And then I was always good at bringing like emotional context. And like, I would, I would reveal why, why things matter to the characters and things like that. So we always felt like we had three pretty, Diff, disparate things covered yeah, and that like they were like working to create a show that was cohesive because those strengths were complementary instead of um, taking up space of each other. It was like if you look at a an equalizer this is where music is relevant mm-hmm. like an equalizer um, wave form or uh, you know frequencies none of us like were trying to exist in the same space. Yeah. You yeah. know if like Andrew's dealing with the 440 bass you know tones I'm not also trying to exist in there. Yeah. And maybe sometimes when he comes over and gets emotional, I'm, you know, I better shovel some coal into yeah. this bits <laughs> engine. Um, but we always felt like it was just really easy mm. because those roles were so like locked in. And then like, that's actually also where I learned that like, Oh, the way that I play in small car can't be the way that I play in, uh, you know, the remix or something like, like, yeah. like a an Armando show. Cause they're just different t- different styles and also different teams and different needs and, um, yeah, that's where I became aware that like, oh, you actually have to like care about what the show needs, not, I just do Bronny stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause if I just it's do Bronny again, st- <laughs> Yeah. He's doing his Bronny stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I re I think I might be wrong, but I think like if you watch me in a remix versus watch me in a swing set, they're two different performers. Mm. Um, I'm much more, probably, I care much more about being supportive in remix, for example. Whereas in swing set, I'm like, well, I know that Mario feels my support by virtue of me being here. So Mm. I'm just like, we just, we know that's intrinsic in the show. So let's just, I just try to burn the place to the ground in swing set, you know? Yeah. yeah. Throw as much as I can at him and know that he'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) whereas, yeah, remix, I wouldn't do the same thing, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, no, definitely. And I think that's a really important. Uh, sort of distinction to make it's like that even if you do prefer playing in a certain way or you maybe have more fun if you I think can change it up a little bit and have the flexibility mm. then there can be enjoyment in in playing in you know a different manner. Mm. Like, I feel there's a lot of questions of just like, you know, do you like organic or premise? <laughs> yeah. As if like, it's really defining, like, yeah. that's the only thing one. you do and it has to be one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of shows are a combination of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'll say like, I prefer shows that are more organic than premise based. Yeah. But if you were to be like, yeah, I only do this or mm. I hate this, or I hate this other one, or yeah, it really starts like, I think compressing you as a performer. And mm. not in a good way, yeah. Because you become very much like, all right. Well, if if we're not doing an organic scene here, this socks? I don't like it. Mm. Uh, I'm out of here. Mm. <laughs> and suddenly you you're not having that fun, that much fun yeah. with the show and performing with other people who have their own way
1: of playing. Exactly. And I think that that like either or thinking it really extends to so much, st- like any like however wide you want to get about career in creativity or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like people, I, you know, I know the same exists for like, you got to stop doing improv and do stand-up. And it's like, well, what are your goals? Like, why? Yeah. Why does it have to be one or the other? Or why do you have to disparage one to raise the other up? Why are we... Because um, it's just like, what's suiting you? What are you having fun doing? How can you... Like, are you just working to get the best out of the show that you're doing? C- cool. Um, Are you trying to be famous right now? Like, yeah. what's... You know, it's like... <laughs> what is the goal? And then therefore that'll help you answer the questions, um, without having to worry about the, yeah, it's either premise or, or organic or it's either sketch or improv or stand up or whatever. I remember years ago when I was uh, obviously, I was a teenager, uh, cause it was Bernard Fanning on triple J or something. Uh, an interview with, um, <clears throat> Powderfinger and they're like, any advice for the young musicians out there? And I, f- Loved his answer so much. He was like, what worked for me won't work for you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> like, just carve your path, man. Like, and
0: they're like, well, this is a five-minute segment. Um, <laughs> we
1: fill for something yeah, else? I yeah. think he elaborated in like, you know, you know, what's the point in me telling them what I did? I, d- I don't have specific advice. Mm. Just follow your gut. Because, and... yeah, like, yeah, I find that conversation about, for example, stand-up comes up a lot. Like if you want to make it in this business, you got to be a stand-up, not a improviser. And that assumes I'm trying to make it in this business yeah, yeah. in a certain way. You know, like I'm having a great time. Yeah. Oh,
0: I'm definitely. living my dream.
1: Yeah. I make a living doing improv. <laughs> That's
0: great. <laughs> That's good.
1: I'm happy. I'm happy as. Yeah. Um, I
0: think it's like, there's so many things like just in society life in general, which are always like goal focused of this, that, and everything yeah, else. Yeah. And I've always thought like growth over goals is so much more rewarding. For sure. In that sense. Yeah. And, but you do hear just a lot of talk about that of like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this level, then this level, then I'm going to get uh. then I'm going to audition, then I'm going to get on Harold and then I'm going to get yeah, there and then yeah, I'm going to get there. And it's yeah. just like these weird kind of like goals setting on something. And then if you achieve a goal like that, it doesn't mm. change
1: anything. <clears throat> no, no, it And
0: especially in something like improv where like none of it exists past the moment it happens. Yeah. So if you're suddenly like, oh, yeah. now I'm on this team. Uh, well, uh, life's uh yeah. Oh,
1: there's nothing. Yeah. Oh, there's not a crowd behind <laughs> there's me. Nothing. There's
0: no fame gained by this. Yeah. And I think it's a really nice <laughs> reminder of that, like you, like being content with uh, whatever is happening as successful, as opposed to defining mm. something always in the future as being success.
1: Totally. Oh, totally. I know. I've been around long enough to know, in in creative uh, industries, if I stop, I've done a lot of improv in my life, and I'm pretty good at it. And I'm a good teacher of it. But if I stopped tomorrow, I'd be forgotten in two months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, if I'd be like, who are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, if that's where you're trying to derive your, like, joy, because of the legacy that you're laying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wrong. Um, uh, my favourite thing on this topic is that I, if you know me, you've heard it. But um, Paul McCartney uh, always felt like the Beatles didn't get as famous as they should have. Oh, I hadn't heard that. No. Yeah. So that's a story that Penn Jillette told to Mark Maron. I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast and Penn Jillette, and Paul McCartney said it to Penn Jillette. and Penn Jillette was like, that's the day I realized there's no goal. There's no goal achievement that's going to make you happy. Yeah. It's like, you got to enjoy the process of it and the doing of it. And if you're not delighted by getting up there and doing it, then it might be, Stopping. You might stop. Yeah. Maybe stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. It was like, I'll be happy once I'm, uh, yeah. Once I'm on a Herald team, I'll be happy. It's yeah. Like,
0: you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things, uh, to bring it back to your realm of basketball. Yes, please. I think there was a quote, like I heard, um, Shaq when he was playing for Celtics and there was that documentary they did of that season. I, I forget. Um, maybe it was one of the first like Amazon, Like, oh, what's it called? 30 for 30? No. No, it was like a where they just basically follow a team for a season or a chunk of a season and all behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. interviews with players. Right. But he was talking about, at that stage, he'd obviously already won a bunch of titles and everything. Yeah. Sorry, championships. Yeah. Um, And he was talking of like that mentality of like, well, like, you know, you come like you want, uh, maybe you want a lobster dinner, then you have lobster dinner, then you want a bigger lobster dinner next time. Yeah. And then you want this, or it's like you want this car, and then you get that car, then you want a bigger car, then you want that. And it was around the same thing of like finding like contentment yeah, You can still want to push yourself forward in For a sure. way, yeah, yeah. but being like happy with sort of like what is going on and not always just looking forward to like, yeah. we need to win this championship, then we need to win that. Then after that championship, we need to win this and that and everything else. Mm, mm. Um, And so it feels like a lot of these like things that really work well, um, I like that they apply to various realms, mm. whether they're in like sports, entertainment, any other creative sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That same like level of thinking. Yeah really helps
1: um and also like pursuing new things is important you know like i'm on (laughs) because yeah for a basketballer, for example like i just got to win a championship and then once you got one then you're like okay well i'm now in the ranks of people who have won i better get a second one yeah (laughs) (laughs) um uh i don't know where i'm going with that but like i guess like (laughs) why not maybe that basketball should go get an olympic medal instead you know like Cause there might be new joy. There's a different type of joy over there representing your country perhaps. Um, but like you get on Harold night, for example, such a niche Melbourne specific yeah, yeah. <laughs> improv world <laughs> goal that you've set there. And then like the goal, what does the goal become then? Like, uh, I don't know, some other indie show that gets yeah, it. <laughs> and then so it's like, maybe you just enjoy doing improv. And then once you feel like you've got your, your hang of it, like... How does that creativity lend to some other interest or whatever?
0: Yeah. Oh, oh definitely. And I think that like trying new things, mm. I feel like it either does two things. You're either going to find something that you love doing mm. maybe more than that initial thing, mm. and then you're like, all right, I'm going over here now, <laughs> which might've been you with say music yeah. and then finding a problem going like, all right, cool. But then you're still going back to music and. Yeah. And everything, but it's either you'll find something new that you love doing that'll take up a part of your time as well, mm-hmm. or you'll be able to learn something from that, which will just enrich totally what you're doing And say, your home discipline. Not that that's the only thing you do, but mm. you still might try something new and be like, "Yeah, not for me, but I really enjoyed this aspect of it, which mm. I learned something from. Mm. And how can I actually integrate that into uh, performing? And like, mm. in that sense, like I always find it when it comes to sort of like any improv related things, I'll always get ideas especially, say, for coming up with exercises, yeah, they are always, like, as far... Well, not as far away as possible from improv, but outside of improv realms. Like, yeah. it'll be, like, watching a movie or it'll be, like, seeing a musical at a theatre. Totally. Like, something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's a good exercise idea. Like, I yes. just, like, note that down. Yeah. And all that stuff sort of coming in um, from all those ways. So I've always found that that helps so much mm. to just, like, widen that net of where all the stimuli is coming from. For
1: sure. I am, um, I'm teaching the move with meaning workshop with you. Um, and like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to achieve with that workshop. But then randomly last week I was watching Seinfeld, just season two, some episode something. And I, I noted down the episode and the timestamp because there was the, just the perfect example of what I mean with yeah, the workshop. Yeah. And I was just like, Yeah, just that stuff sort of happens serendipitously and, like, you never know when it's when the inspiration's going to spark. And, I mean, Seinfeld is not a new piece of media that I was enjoying, but, like, just continually, like, taking your eye off the prize every now and then is going to help you, like, expand your understanding of the prize, I think. Um, There's that Amy Poehler thing of, like, she stopped trying to be famous and then she suddenly got famous, but I think that... um, that applies to so many things. You stop trying to do like you agonize over this one thing, but if actually you take a break from it, you yeah. get like, oh, actually I know what to do with this <laughs> this thing right now. Even if it was, I just took a nap, but or you could play a video game or, oh, that's I struggle with that. So I I know that the thing that I just said, I know that that's true. That you should take a break and come back to it, and you'll come back fresh, or you might find the answer somewhere else. But I can. I just said, play video game and I wish I could allow myself to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it'll be like the middle of the day. and I'm like, I should, I can't solve this, but I'll never go, I'll never let myself play video game because I have some self-flagellation problem where it's like, that's, I should scold myself for wanting to play video games. Like that's a naughty thing to do? Yeah. it's Like it's, it's unproductive. Even uh, though I know, yeah. I know like what I just said is true. Take yeah, a yeah. take a break and I'll probably find the answer while I'm playing a video game because yeah. <laughs> I'll zen out or something and I'll form a new understanding. But that's the one thing I can't allow for some yeah. reason. What is that, Dan? Can you help? I don't know. It, <laughs> it makes me think of like... Maybe it feels like
0: uh, just a made-up reason for doing something that a teenager would say to their parent. Of like, <laughs> it does. You're doing your homework, like, no, I've got to play FIFA for a little bit. And like, yeah. it's helping me with my maths. Yeah, I'm sort of doing my homework. I'm yeah. sort of doing it. I'm <laughs> going to get there. I just need this input to come <laughs> in. So, like, there's that something... That does sound like that. Yeah. But I, I totally get that. Like, the feeling of, especially when you feel mentally, you've got, like, a lot of things to do, mm. uh, that you just think, like, all right, is it better for me to be to just try and go through this list of things I'm trying to get done and just do them to whatever level now you always end up getting really tired by the end of it (laughs) or taking that break and then it just completely, like, you have a moment where you're like, oh, hang on, I've been thinking about this all in the completely other way around and this is going to make things so much easier. Yeah. But I do get that, like, it's... It can be challenging to like, to when you think you need to be productive, Mm. to, to push back on that a bit Mm. and go, no, what I actually need now is a bit more space. I need to remove things Mm. and that will actually help me be more productive yeah when I come back to it yeah rather than just sort of like, like, uh, like just going through the mud
1: (laughs) constantly. Totally. Yeah. It's like you spend a day, if I spend a day writing, it's actually, it's 15 minutes of writing and the other... It's all like making a coffee and yeah. <laughs> dragging my feet through the house. Yeah, taking the dogs for a walk, <laughs> and then it's like oh, I. All of that allowed me to write for fifteen minutes. You know. Yeah. Because the, I I always feel like I'll achieve the same if I sit and stare at it. I'll also only get fifteen minutes out. Yeah. Because I'm a my brain's mush.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I can't sort my thoughts. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Do you have the same thing with other? like creative slash relaxing things. So what I remember mean that is if video games is that's the sort of naughty thing which you're mm. not allowed to do. Yeah. Uh, Until night time.
1: Like, I can at night time. You can at night time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You've got that little window. Where yeah, a out. tiny window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does that also extend to, say, watching like TV shows, watching movies or like maybe listening to music just to really listen to it, not to actually use it as a background mm. for something else? Like do you – is it all sort of things like that? You're like you sort of push away – in lieu of like that productive, um, sort of like I guess yeah. that magnetism towards having to be productive.
1: Yeah, but it is a thing I hate about myself. I don't. This is I don't feel good about this answer. But um, yeah. I like I won't let myself watch a TV show until like after seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also like I'll feel dirty if I don't feel like I achieved anything that day, and um, and achieve so this is where I have an unhealthy relationship with creativity achieve is like, I could have done a whole day of work, but if I didn't like chip away at that chorus I've been thinking about for a song, I w- haven't achieved anything that day. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, even though like I've done all my business,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like,
1: I don't feel like I've creatively achieved. And I think that's like how I fill my cup. So I like, I feel uh like I'm betraying myself if I don't allow just a moment of like something to work. Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like if you have a lot of days where I don't feel like I achieve something creatively, then it like sort of I start to go like, oh, I need a day to like just create. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then that day where I'm just creating is sitting there staring at screen. <laughs> crazy. No, I'd say that like the panic rises. It's like, as time
0: goes on, cause you're like, yeah. well, technically I've spent five days doing this thing, <laughs> yeah. but I haven't got there yet. Totally. So now, all right, today I'm going to get through all of it. Mm. And I just feel like, um, I'm sure a psychologist will be able to explain this a lot better, but I yeah. feel like creatively that is never going to... Really produce like the best results, yeah. Or, or oh, I'm not even looking at in the best results, but it's not going to have like this healthy relationship to creating that makes it fun, yeah, and enjoyable. Yeah, like people always talk about, like you know, like under what was it like you know, like under like, pressure creates diamonds or mm. whatever it is mm. of like, mm. you know, getting into those pressured situations and then and then doing things. And mm. I think like to some extent. If you get into a pressure situation, you'll do something and it will work out, sure. Yeah. But, like, if you're always just relying on creating those, like, pressure chambers, Mm. it's almost like a really unhealthy Mm. situation to put yourself in of, like, I have to be in that situation to do work or thinking, like, I do my best work Mm. when I am
1: under pressure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I've created – in the past I created financial pressure chambers by, like, booking the most expensive studio in – Melbourne and being like, we're doing three days there boys <laughs> and not being ready for that. And then like yeah. doing st- stuff that I'm like, semi like I used to be really proud of and I've over time gotten like, Oh, it's okay. Like it's, I'm semi-proud of it, but like, I don't think it's my best songwriting or whatever. And it's like, I've tried to, I tried to do it the way that I know that other people do it, you know, like book the time, rehearse the songs, go for it. Yeah. Um, but then I think my best songwriting has come from like. Uh, the day that, um, I went on a songwriting camp, um, and one of the guys from the milk carton kids was like, have you, um, have you reconciled with the fact that music is your hobby now? Cause it used to be my career before I got obsessed with improv and I was like, nope. And he was like, it's your hobby, man. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. I didn't, I hadn't thought about that. Mm. And as soon as music became my hobby... I was like, fucking, I can, it's so much more zen now. It's fun again. Pressure's like, all gone. Oh, it's all gone. Yeah. I don't have to write a good song. I just got to write a song for me, yeah. for, <laughs> for fun. And then what falls out is a better song than I'd ever written, you know? Um, So yeah, removing that pressure of it being anything allowed it to be the best it could have been. Yeah. Or I just look at it with rose colored glasses now and it's like, oh, I feel nicer. <laughs> so I mean, either way, that's a better song because I feel nicer about it, so. Yeah, but I th- I think it I think
0: it's de- there's definitely something to this of like yeah, and if we're talking about growth over goals and all that sort of stuff, like mm-hmm. even if you set those small goals, and I know some people love setting goals and mm-hmm. that's it, mm-hmm. but like if you were saying like I have to get this chorus done tomorrow, I have to do that, mm-hmm. it's like the chorus might take longer, mm-hmm. and yeah, it might <laughs> yeah. it's never. I I just think it's really a really detrimental approach, and yeah, I feel like it's maybe hard to break away from that because yeah. If you go and you're like working any other sort of job, yeah, there's always going to be like a deadline to do this, to do that, to do anything else. Like I've done yeah. a lot of design work in the past and yeah. you're always operating with deadlines. And I understand the importance in those scenarios of deadlines being important mm-hmm. because you need to get the project out mm. and it's better to get that out at 50, 60%, 70% mm. totally. and then improve it over time yeah, rather than trying to say perfect it and make it incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like as long as you're not chasing perfection whilst be willing to take time with it, um, I think that is like the healthiest little middle ground to find yourself in there.
1: Yeah. And also, yeah, no one's waiting for my next song. So chill out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I always find like my best work happens when I have no time for it. Um, this is maybe kind of a counter to what we're saying. Maybe not. Um, but like that chorus, for example, to, to keep stretching that metaphor, um, like it'll come to me when like, uh, I got to get to a wedding and I was supposed to leave at 12 and it's eleven fifty, mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, I got 10 minutes to have a strum. And then like, Oh, <laughs> it's happening. The song's happening. It's yeah, working. Yeah. And then you're like, quick, 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 quick. And you're like, got to, got to record it or write it down or whatever. Um, it's like when you're not expecting it or not trying to achieve it is when it's like, oh, you know that idea you've been gestating on that you didn't realize you were gestating on when you were allowing yourself to play some Zelda? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all come together in this moment right here. Yeah, um, I think that fits into everything because yeah. th- that's the
0: difference between doing that and sitting down and going, I've got
1: to go off to this wedding. Exactly. I've got 10 minutes. I need to finish this chorus. That's so true. Yeah, I picked the guitar up not to finish that chorus but to kill 10 minutes. Yeah. And it just so happened my brain was like, okay. Your brain's like, all right, let's rumble. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. You want to kill time? Let's fucking kill it in the best way possible. Whereas sometimes I'm like, let's make a hit. And your brain's like, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather kill time. Not happening today. Yeah.
0: Um. Speaking of uh, a, a lot of the sort of musical references, you've mm. just got back sort of recently from the Catskills, is it? Yes. Which you've been to a couple of times. Three times. Three times. Yeah. Now, for someone who is not that well-versed on anything about what that sort of means, mm. um, my sort of idea of it is that it's like a, a small sort of mecca of songwriting and, and, and creativity in that sense, but yeah. I'd love to hear like more about what that actually is and like yeah. what your experiences are there.
1: Okay. So my experience is, is the best. Um, uh, so it's not quite a mecca of songwriting. <laughs> that's a lovely term. I wish it was that. It's so foggy in my mind of, like, what could this place be? Yeah, yeah. so it's just a resort um, where uh, they host. I think the resort's used for weddings and all sorts of things, but there is a company called Music Masters Collective who, like, they host artists there who then host their own camp where their fans or whatever, their community, come and um, work with them.
0: Okay, right, yeah.
1: Um, And so I do it with Milk Carton Kids, which is a folk band from... The States from LA. Um, and I met them, I opened for them in 2011 as a, as a peer. Yep. <laughs> and then swiftly they like got on the cover of Rolling Stone and I came home and did some improv. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so our our careers sort of, you know, mm-hmm. took very different paths. And by the time I was on their camp, they were, you know, stars. Um, I mean, relative to me, I'm sure many people listening to this don't know who they are. Um, but uh, they, yeah, they announced this camp. Uh, I knew them as lovely guys who I met that night. So I was like, I'll go. And I'd love their music. Um, I didn't know what to expect, really, the first year, which was 2019 that I went. And uh, they they invite um, like three or four other artists. And then the daytime are is spent. Um, you obviously, you meet like between 40 and 70 people who are all there to do the camp. Um, and it's just workshops during the day and jamming and Mm. writing and like any spare time you have, you're either like jamming or helping someone write their song or writing your own song or like working on a harmony for someone's song or whatever. And then they, yeah, they just do these like 90 minute either lectures or workshops or whatever. And the first year they're like, you know, this is how you write a song and then, the second year, thankfully, they recognized a lot of people had come back. I mean, I knew how to write a song, but I loved hearing their their um, their way in. Mm. The second year, like, their how to write a song had evolved a little bit. And then the third year I went, it, they gave a lot of different sort of um, stimulus to get songwriting. And they have, like, lyric sessions and uh, poetry sessions and, like, stage presence sessions and all sorts of different things, but mostly the experience is like meeting people who are there to do one thing, which is write one song that, that week. So you're all just trying to write one song. And the coolest thing about it is like, when you do get into the mud of your own song, you can just walk, you can, you can either go on a beautiful walk through the Catskills mountains and there's a little stream and it's lovely, Mm. or you can wander to someone else who's working on a song who's probably in the mud as well. And you can be like, what do you got? And they show you and you can be like, thought about this? And they go like, oh, cool. And then you can walk away and they can come do the same thing for you. And it's the best. Yeah. Um, So it's really like a really collaborative environment of that. Yeah. And I had two, the first two were really profound for me. Um, the first one, my dad had recently had a stroke and... I knew I wanted to write about him because they the one of the things was like what's you know when it gets quiet what do you think of and I was like at the time I was like my dad um, and they're like let's write a song about that this week and I sat down with Kenneth the guy one of the guys from milk Carton kids and he just helped me um, unlock what the song was and then helped me like find it it was really emotional because like I was obviously emotional about my dad and then he was just so thoughtful and caring and compassionate and loving and sat with me while I went through this song with him. That was also when he was like, music's your hobby, by the way.
0: Yeah, And I was like,
1: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that permission to not wrap my whole identity up in my yeah. music anymore. Um, Cause like sidebar, when I started improv, Adam Kangas, who runs TIC, he was like, if you had to choose between music and improv, which would, it, which would it be? And I was like, uh, music, yeah. you idiot. <laughs> And then it started to flip and I was like, I actually don't know what I love. And then so finding out that this was my hobby was a lovely thing because it made me love music again without it being wrapped up in like who I am. Yeah. And then
0: just on that, does that mean as well, like if you were sort of creating a song, then you're not trying to encapsulate your whole personality within that.
1: Yeah. And I'm also not worried about what this says about me. Yeah. As much as I used to be. Yeah. And I've written songs now that like, you know, might offend my parents when I never would have done that in the past. Yeah, but like, you know, I don't care now because <laughs> it's like it's not really. It could be me. It might not be me. Like, I don't know. It's just a song about stuff. Yeah, 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 and you can interpret it however you want. And I don't feel like as emotionally like like tied in it. Yeah. Um, and then the second time, another uh, a um a friend had passed away that um. He was the guy who used to book um the my favorite venue in San Diego. And I'd played there like maybe 50 times. Um and I loved it. And it was it was also where I met all my American friends was this venue in, in San Diego. Is this what you did a fringe or conference oh, show yeah, about yeah, once? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the guy the guy, one of the characters from that show, he passed away like right before the second camp. Um, and I felt so gross that the first thought I had when he passed away, I loved the guy. He was awesome. Mm. But The first thought I had was that it's going to be really hard to play in San Diego now. Mm. And I, I was like, so mad at myself for having that thought as the first thought. Um, and then, uh, Joey, the other guy from Milk Carton Kids, I told him that story and he was like, that's the name of the song. And I was like, but that's the bit I'm ashamed of that I want to like write through. Yeah. He's like, no, but it's hard for more reasons than just he booked you there. It's hard to play there because he created a community there. And like, it's hard to see your friends there now because he was so tied in that. And I was like, oh yeah, fuck. (laughs) And it was just like such a nice, he just gave me a different perspective on the song and I can still say the words. It's hard to play in San Diego. And I'm still like, I'm still exercising that demon out of me but now it's in a positive way. It's like, it's hard to play because you created such a nice place for everyone and you're gone and therefore that community and that safe space for all those musicians is gone.
0: Yeah. So is that looking at it like instead of going, I've had this thought that's shameful, how egotistical of me to think that, oh no, I'm going to just bury this and put it into the background. It's like, what does that actually mean? Why is that? Yeah. And how can I really sort of express that? Dropping that sort of judgment of like, um, is this too? Is this too personal? Is Mm. this like, will people think I'm an asshole for saying this thing?
1: Like, well, it was those sort of things. I I wanted to write a song about my shame and how shameful it was, and really like, you know, what a piece of shit this guy is, you know, and like, and come at it from that angle. But his point was like, no, you should write about all the reasons why he made that place so good to play in. And if you write about all the good things about Lou, then you're both honoring him and also dealing with the, that shame yeah. that you had about it. Because you're still singing that refrain of like, it's harder to play in San Diego now. What an asshole. But actually now I'm saying it about this guy who was so special and yeah. here are all the reasons why you're special. And it's something that applies to everyone in that community.
0: Yes. Rather than a
1: message which just applies to yourself. Yeah. Going through it. Exactly. So it ended up being the song about like the venue and him and yeah, his, and yeah, his yeah. dog because the dog would walk around the venue whilst you played. Um, and now it's like a nice, I, I, I haven't recorded it or anything, but for me it's just a nice tribute to him and and I no longer feel shame for that, <laughs> for that thought I had when he passed away. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, that's why the camp is so profound and cool and you don't need drugs to have a great time. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: That's great. Like a little button on the end. Yeah. yeah. Just to be clear, we don't do yes, drugs kids. there. It's yeah, like... we don't do drugs there.
1: It's no ayahuasca camp.
0: <laughs> it's nice and just relaxed without yeah. without that. It sounds like a really, really lovely sort of experience to to yeah. be able to have and to be able to keep going back to and also sounding like when you go back you're getting different th- different things out of it. Yeah. Both by the workshops obviously being slightly different and, and yeah. that. Yeah. But also depending on what's happening in your life at that time. Mm not always trying to go and do the same thing. Like mm. using mm. like, well, this has happened to me. Like I'm different now than I was a week ago. I'm going to be different in a week's time. And just embracing like whatever you're feeling at that moment. Totally. And using that to create something mm. rather than like, I guess what you said of like worrying about, does this encapsulate my brand? Exactly. For yeah. like, for everyone, like mm. what are people going
1: to think if this song sounds so different to mm. something I made before? It's uh, it's also, it, it, um. Grandma's, you know, Grandma's lasagna. I don't know if that's a me thing or if that exists. I've heard the name, but
0: it might be from hearing you say Maybe that. it's from me.
1: <laughs> but the idea of Grandma's lasagna is like, Grandma makes a great lasagna, and you're like, that lasagna is so good. But not even Grandma can even live up to her own lasagna yeah. from the first time you had it. You You go in search of Grandma's lasagna for the rest of your life, but that's something not even she could live up to. So, like, it's a, it's a, like, a false pursuit or whatever you call it. Um... And I think, like, if I had gone into camp the second time hoping to have another songwriting session one-on-one with Kenneth where we write about my dad and, like, I cry in front of him, you know, like, if I went there trying to get that, Mm. I never would have got that. But I went there just, like, as a different, like, things are different in my life now. There's a different thing. I want to just approach it in a different way. I'm going there to think about my shame (laughs) this time. And then I never expected it to be profound or, like... As life-changing as the first time, I was like, there's no way it will be because that's grandma's lasagna. Um, but then because I just took my eye off that prize, I got a totally new dish from grandma. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I got grandma's, um, peach cobbler. Yeah. (laughs) Which is delicious.
0: Equally delicious too. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. A nice new experience in a similar place, (laughs) which is grandma's kitchen. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I just got this picture of you just being over there, and everything related to grandma's <laughs> thing. right to talk about grandma. If that, like, if we need to get this out now. Like... <laughs> yeah.
1: Conversely, every time my grandma sees me, it's for the first time. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's we're losing it. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. Yeah. No, I. I mean that's true, but I shouldn't have ended on such a morbid joke. No, 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 no. It's about it's my a... sweet Omar. That's it's totally fine, uh, <laughs> and you're like I don't know how to deal with that. How are we going to move on from this one? No. Yeah. <laughs> you got to uh, laugh, Dan. No, you have to. You Life have to. comes at you fast.
0: <laughs> oh no, no, definitely. Um, I think what this all just sort of speaks to me there is that, yeah, it's like instead of, like when you're going over to 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 do these things, and it w- mm. would apply to anything, like when you're getting up to do a show at the end of the week, whether you're doing whatever, it's like not worrying about like what have you achieved recently, what are you mm. doing, what all those things, like, what am I going to tell people about that they're going to be impressed with? Yeah. But to reduce it to very kind of like, you know, I guess basic messages in a sense of just being like, just being very comfortable, like just toddling along and like Mm. creating things and you catch up with someone, it's like you don't have to like big up something that's happened or you don't have to like hide some shameful thing you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're creating things, you don't have to do that as well. Yeah. Like if you do see a friend... Who, who you trust, you're not going to sort of hide all these emotions and things totally. like that. You're going to talk about it. Totally. And then I think having that relationship with your creative work, yeah, uh, is just a really nice sort of healthy way yeah. to be as well, where it's not hiding your personality. You're trying to like use that and just draw what you can out of it.
1: Mm. And you got to be, yeah, content with the total. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, but my, I guess my, my closing message that I actually was saying to Millie recently, um, I, I like to think that s- seventh gets you wine and I'll explain that. Um, mm. but I came seventh once in a, a national songwriting competition and obviously I was devastated to come seventh yeah. <laughs> and my drummer, uh, easy, he brings over a bottle of wine and he was like, you should celebrate seventh. And I was like, oh yeah, I should, shouldn't I? And seventh is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In like a national competition. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's amazing. Right? That's really good. And, and so like my seventh gets you wine point is like like there are wins of all different sizes and if you can recognize that like just sometimes just doing the thing is the win, like getting the chorus done or getting through a show when you were having a bad week and you're like, I'll still try to go do the show. And then getting that show done, that's worth celebrating because um, if you don't celebrate those tiny things and you're because you're like withholding to celebrate the bigs those bigs are so far few and far between then you'll just kill yourself (laughs) you'll kill yourself trying to get them you know you won't kill yourself because you don't get them I mean no instead it's you'll exhaust your resources trying to achieve them
0: yeah and that'll become the focus yeah and yeah again far more
1: detrimental (laughs) totally and it doesn't become fun and then it's not and then it's not worth it when you get them you're like okay I got it what's the next one <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you'd like to see our upcoming workshops or join our online community at our Discord server, please head to spaceandearth.co.